Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. How you guys doing today? So as we said at the beginning, today is a uh, children's service in that on the first weekend of the month, we are celebrating the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do in a little bit here. Hope you got your little cup. And we want our kids to be in here with us, that we can celebrate that with them. We can teach them of the significance of that. And you're right here, Robbie. And so we're going to keep the kids in. However, uh, the nursery is open downstairs. And we did just have a volunteer step up. So if you have nursery-age kids, that's age, ages 2 and under, then you can take your kids down to the nursery and you can um, place them there if that'll help to make this experience a little bit more uh, engageable for you. So... Um, yeah, but this is what we want to try to do on the first weekend of the month. And I know that parents, it's tough with kids sometimes because they can be a little bit, you know, rowdy, and especially those little boys. Right, Nathan? I see you there. Yep. I got eyes on you. If they are start getting rowdy, no big deal, all right? We'll work through it. I won't be distracted. I mean, I may call them out. That's okay. It's because I love them. Um, no, but it's going to be fine. But kids, I actually, how many of you here today, kids, are like, like to work out? Huh? Huh? Any little athletes here? Children? Yeah, Robbie? Yeah, okay. You, you, okay. All you little kids who like to work out, I need you to come up front here with me. Okay. And spread out. You got to spread out. Got to spread out because, like, we can't be close or something. Go ahead and spread out. <laughs> you kids, too? Yeah. Listen, your children, get up here. Come on. Okay, spread out. Oh, yeah, you go good. You're, you're right there. Yeah, perfect. Okay, spread out. Okay, so today's passage is about endurance. Did you hear that? Today's passage is about persevering and continuing to run the race, even when things get super hard and super difficult. So here's what we're going to do. Today, we are going to plank. Woo! All right. So here's what we're going to do. I need you to, to get, on, get on your knees like this, and we're going to lay down like this. All right. Can we do this? You can do this. Come on, girls. Okay, you're doing great. All right, we are going to endure. Here we go. On the count of three, what we're all going to do is we're all going to push up and just, just, just do that. Just do that. Okay, here we go. We're going to do this on the count. We're going to wait for Matthew and Nathan. Here we go. All right. Ready? Here we go, yeah. You better get those keys out of your pocket. Yeah, come on. 
I'm calling it right now. Robbie's going to beat you. Here we go. One, two, three. Here we go. All right. You keep going now. All right. Keep going. Keep going. You're doing great. So, endurance. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? You, no, that's cheating. That's not allowed. Yep, that's great. Oh, good job. Yep. Go ahead. Woo! Awesome. Well done. Well done. Yeah, is your stomach starting to hurt? Your stomach's starting to hurt a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Hey, how are you guys doing up here? Huh? Until you lose. <laughs> Fatty, you're not going to let him beat you, are you? I didn't think so. How are you guys doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You got to get your butts in the air. Come on. Like mama here. There you go. All right. All the kids but Matthew and Thaddeus, you can go back to your seats. Well done. Oh, Thaddeus. Thaddeus gave up. You didn't win yet. You didn't win yet. I knew my son would take the bait. He can't help. He can't help himself. All right, you got 40 more minutes, son. All right. So, this passage is all about endurance. It's about being able to persevere through the pressure. It's being able to persevere through the weight that might come upon you. See him shaking? This is great. Right? <laughs> through, through the sin that, that clings so closely. <laughs> and making sure that you're on the right path. Oh, can we do this? Sometimes Satan just tries to crush us. But by the grace of God, we have the witnesses who have gone before us who help us to get back up. Right? Come on, come on, come on. All right. Therefore, since we are surrounded by... You can put the verse up here on the screen. Yep, let me get that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us after we lay aside those weights. We just want to go through this real quick. We're going to exposit this. And again, parents, this is what we are to teach our children, the mindset, the mentality that we have as we go through life. And this is how we are to be praying for and lifting up our brothers and sisters around the world who are enduring persecution. All right? So that's kind of the mindset here that we want. Now, the first word there, therefore, of course, points back to what has gone before. And if you're at all familiar with the book of Hebrews, the writer, the author, has been saying how paramount Christ is in everything. He is the greatest. He is above and beyond everything that there is and was, especially in the Jewish way of thinking, which 
He's writing to a Jewish audience, which is why it's called Hebrews, right? And he tells them throughout the letter, Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the law. He is the greatest high priest. In fact, he's in a completely different priestly order. He's not in the order of Aaron. He's in the order of Melchizedek, a greater and, and deeper order of high priests. And so he points over and over to Christ as supreme, Christ as preeminent, Christ as the one who is never crushed, unlike my pathetic son. I love you, son. And so then he gets to chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, he goes through a whole list of nearly 20 men and women who had run the race previously. They had all died. And they all kept running. They never gave up. They continued to persevere in faith. In faith which is the only measure of the runner in the spiritual race. It's are you enduring in your faith as you continue to press forward, press on to draw closer and closer and closer to the end, to the Lord, to Christ. Now, the Old Testament saints didn't know that the name of the Messiah, like we do, we know Messiah is Jesus, amen? They believed in Messiah, they believed in the promises of God, but they just ran without knowing. We have the benefit of knowing our Savior's name, and knowing his story, knowing what he has done, and knowing that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, even right now, interceding for us, advocating for us, mediating for us. That's what Scripture says Christ does, and that is the one who has already completed the race victorious. Amen? And so the scripture says, therefore, since we are surrounded by all of these people in Hebrews 11 and many, many other, we can be encouraged to run the race as they did. Now, I want to make very clear that the imagery of a race which the writer is drawing on is that of a marathon, that of a long, grueling race. In the Greek, the word for race, let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us is agon, A-G-O-N. It's the word from which we get agony. This is not a fun race. This is not an easy race. This is a grueling race. It is difficult. It is costly. It is going to wear you down, especially if you try to run it in your own strength, under your own power and your own understanding. It's brutal. Can we praise God for that? <laughs> no, that's tough, isn't it, right? We, 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 we should praise God because it's in the brutality that we actually draw to him, right? It's in the difficult times that the Lord says, hey, you know what? You can't do it on your own, Mark, but I got you. I'm here for you, brother. Right? If it were an easy race, or if it were a little sprint, or if it were like just a little, you know, walk in the park, going on my evening constitutional, what would that do? The Lord knows what we need because we are stiff-necked, stubborn, prideful people. And therefore, it is an agon. It is difficult. It is a marathon race that we persevere through to the end. And what's the end? 
The end is death. The end is death. The Lord calls us to persevere in faith to the end until we die, and he welcomes us home. Do you remember in Acts chapter 7, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks in our sermon series, Stephen, the first martyr, remember him? He stands up and he gives a testimony of of the whole history of Israel. And then he talks about Jesus as the fulfillment of all of those things and how all of, well, the stiff-necked Jews didn't accept him. And of course, they kill him. They stone him. And before Stephen is killed, he says what? As he looks up into heaven, he says, Behold, I see Christ standing before me to welcome him into eternity. That is the one who is at the end of the race cheering us on. It's our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is there beckoning us, encouraging us. He has given us his spirit to have the power and the strength and the faith to endure. But he is our audience. We have an audience of one. Witnesses here does not mean that there's some grand heavenly Um, grandstand where they're all just watching us and cheering us on. That is not what this passage is saying. What this passage is saying is that these witnesses are people who have already run the race and their testimony, their witness to us encourages us that we can finish the race. If I go to out on the street, Mark, and I come up to you and I give you my testimony, what am I doing? I am witnessing, right? I'm sharing my story. I'm sharing how Christ has moved in my life. That is the meaning of witnesses here. It's not witnesses like, oh, we're a bunch of fans cheering, rah, 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 go, Alan, go. No, no, no. It's people who have already run the race, who we have the the testimony of their story in Scripture, And then all the saints throughout the ages who we can read those autobiographies and these great men and women of faith who have run the race and finished the race by God's grace. They are witnessing to us that it can be done even in the most agonizing place and time. Do we understand that distinction? Okay, it's Christ who is cheering us on. It's Christ who we are running towards. And we have the example of all of those who have gone before us to encourage us, who have gone through the same thing that we have in various forms and ways, to encourage us to keep trusting, keep holding on, keep moving towards the Lord. But there are things that try to get us to stop things that try to get us to slow down, which is why the writer says to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. The the Greek for lay aside literally means to take off your outer garment, to take off that which is holding on to you. The imagery here is a runner who has their warm-ups on, maybe even like, you know, they got like a jacket or something, they're ready to go. Now the author says, hey guys, it's time to get those warm-ups off, lay aside that weight, lay aside that garment, take it off, and it's time to go. It's time to run. 
And that is a very intentional action that we do. In fact, he's commanding us to do that, to lay that aside. That when we recognize there are things that are, in particular, weighing us down by God's grace, we we lay them aside, we take them off, we, we push it back. And these weights are not things that are inherently bad. In the Greek, it's like this encumbrance. Something that is a kind of a bulky mass that is clinging to us. It's, it's neither good nor bad, it's just there and it's causing there to be some weight. Kids, how many of you all have backpacks? Huh? You guys have backpacks? Yeah? Backpack, backpack, backpack maybe backpack, I don't know. Backpacks? Backpacks, okay. When you got those backpacks all full of books... Are those school books that you have inherently evil? I thought that you might say that. No, they're, they're neither evil nor good. They're full of education and goodness and, and things that help you to learn and grow, right? They're good, right, kids? When you're wearing a backpack full of that stuff, it's heavy, right? You can't run as fast, can you? It kind of weighs you down. It holds you back. You can't go. Well, when you're running a race, the author says, "Mm, take it off. Put the backpack down and go. And church, we know what these types of things are, don't we? They're these things that we can get too into, Stuff that can, can weigh on us that isn't bad, but it's not of great consequence. It could be a job-related issue. It could be some relational thing. It could be an election where you stay up till four in the morning on Tuesday night and wait for the results. Who did that? Right? It's stuff that's, that's not bad, it's just weighty, it's, it's unnecessary. It's stuff that we can take off and that we will be able to run freely, run with endurance the path that the Lord has set before us. And when the Lord shows us those things, when the Lord shows us the stuff that we're allowing to weigh us down, church, by God's grace, we lay them aside. And sometimes I want to cling on to my nice warm jacket that's keeping me from the cold as I got to go and run. And that's why we have teammates, right? That's why we run together with a team so that if necessary, by God's grace, I can say, hey, Mark, let me, come on, brother. We got to, yeah, yeah, these, these, right, okay, I got them. Sunglasses, unnecessary, right? It's, (laughs) It's not even sunny today, come on. Right? That's what we do for each other. And especially in the second category with the sin that clings so closely. Now, whereas the weights are not necessarily good or bad, right? In the gospel, uh, the gospel of Matthew and Mark with the parable of the sword and seeds, right? Jesus calls these things the thorns, right? The things that kind of can choke out the good fruit. So we need to be mindful of that. But the sin that clings so closely is, there's no room for it. As soon as we see it, it needs to be removed, it needs to be eliminated. In fact, if we see it, we need to avoid it. 
We can't even, we don't, we don't even want to get close to it because it clings so closely. The Greek word for cling here means to ensnare or entangle or skillfully surround as if a strategist in a military battle. Skillfully surround so that there's no way of escape. That is what the enemy is trying to do. The enemy is trying to get us to fall into that sin that wants to just entangle us and ensnare us and stop us from moving any forward. Whereas weights slow us down, if we are ensnared, I can't, I can't go forward anymore. I'm stuck. And that is what the enemy's game is. How many of you all have been uh, like on a hike or something like that? Kids, you guys like hiking? Who likes hiking? Yeah, okay, I got a hand there. You like hiking, that's good, right? Well, I went on a lot of hikes this summer in the pandemic because couldn't really do anything else, could we? So we went on hikes. And there was one hike where the path took us through a big thorn thicket. Anyone know what the thorns are, right? Right? And you go in and immediately it's just like, they just cling to you. And they, if you go any further, it's like they're jabbing into your skin. So you stop, and you're like, Ugh. and you pick them out one by one, and you try to get through them. Wouldn't it have been so much easier if I could have just avoided that thorn thicket and gone around? I could have, I could have laid aside. I could have, I could have just cast it off. I could have stayed away from that thorn thicket that clung so closely and entangled me and stopped me where I was. That's the imagery here. As a runner in this race, we don't want to get tangled in the sin that clings so close. And every single one of us has different things that we are susceptible to. We don't need to go into that. You know the practical application of this, right? You know those, those thorn thickets that you miss or that sneak up on you and boom, there it is. And again, this is why we need brothers and sisters around us that can help us to avoid those thickets. But there's one sin in particular that I believe is in view here, especially in light of Hebrews chapter 11, which is what? The hall of faith. You've heard of the hall of fame, right? Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. I believe the sin in particular that stops us in our tracks more easily than any other is a lack of faith, is unbelief. It's a, a situation or circumstance that arises where we start to doubt the sovereignty and power and goodness of our God. We are filled with unbelief, lack of trust. That has the power to stop us more quickly than anything else. Which is why the enemy tries to make it so hard so that you want to give up, so that you want to stop, so that you, you, you cease trusting and moving forward in faith. And why the Lord allows that difficulty so that by His grace, we can grow in our faith. We can have our faith strengthened as we endure and trust. And we are able to overcome more and more and more so that the things of this world have less and less hold on us. And we can run even more freely the race. That's why in the passage in 
Philippians that we read in the beginning, Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And here's the key part. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. See, the race is really one of maturity, right? It's one of growth. It's one of constant movement towards the Lord or away from the Lord, depending on where we're placing our faith. And when we are approaching a part of the race where we lack faith, by God's grace, He will reveal that to us because He wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be refined. He wants us to be even more fit athletes in the race. That's why it says that we are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's not just some random path that we're going on here. We're not just running and figuring, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to go over this way. That looks nice. That's not how a marathon works. The path is laid. It's set. And your job is to have the faith to run and follow the course and trust the one who set the path. Well, who's the one who set the path? Our king. He is sovereign. He is in control. And that's part of the, what the race is getting us to do is to continue to trust him, right? That is Proverbs chapter 3, the very famous passage, right? Trust in the Lord. Put your faith in the Lord. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will do what? Make straight your path. That's the path. The race, the agon, doesn't say the path is going to be easy. But he'll straighten it. He'll let us see it. He'll let us know what the next step is, what the next leg of the journey is. And in faith, we keep pressing on with our brothers and sisters around us. And we do so with endurance. And this is really, as we get down to the end, the mindset parents by God's grace, we need to be teaching our kids. Because, can I, just, can I just say it? Our culture produces wusses. Our culture produces weak-minded fools. And that's, that's you read Proverbs, that's what it says, right? You're a fool. You're weak of mind if you read through Scripture. That's not just a Star Wars quote from Jabba the Hutt. That's truth, right? The world produces weak-minded fools. And by God's grace, parents, disciple-makers, we are called to pour into the people who we have charge of that they would have minds that are set on Christ. That the Lord is transforming, right? That we're not conforming to the pattern of this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind in Christ, right? Romans chapter 12. 
We are to endure. We are to press on. We are to, to strive forward. That language is all through Scripture, and that only comes when we recognize that it's, it's not supposed to be easy, right? Jesus said what? In his parting words with his disciples, John chapter 16, he said that in this world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have agon, agony. It's going to be a hard, hard race. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And that's who we're running towards. And that is how the scripture ends. It says, run with resilient determination to keep going. That's endurance. It's not about physical endurance. It's about mental, spiritual endurance. Resilient determination. That's what that Greek means. I, I set my mind forward. I endure. I press on in the knowledge of what I'm running to. Who are we running to? Jesus. Looking to Jesus. Always. Always. And that is what we need to teach our kids, where their strength comes from, where their goal is, who is the one who is in control, regardless of what the world is trying to say and how the world is trying to suck them in to the weakness and dependence on the comforts and all of the stuff that it tries to get us to do. We look to Jesus, who endured Why? Because he is the one who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who is the originator of our faith. That's what founder means. He started it. He's the one who gave it to us. And he's the one who's going to finish it. Perfecter. He is the one who makes it whole, makes it complete, who gives it in Hebrew shalom, that idea of, of fullness, of peace, right? He is the founder and perfecter of our faith, which is everything we need to run the race and finish it and one day be greeted by him with open arms as he's standing there to meet us when we return home. We are not to fear death. That's one of the greatest lies that the world teaches us and tries to get us to fall into weakness and into uh, just paralysis. We are to run forward knowing that death is the end and it's the greatest thing because then we're with our Lord, we're with our King. That is the mindset, parents, that we need to be teaching our kids. That is the mindset, church, that we need to be praying for each other, especially as persecution ramps up in this country, but certainly around the world where our brothers and sisters are already Walking in a context where their faith can very easily lead to death. So we need to pray for them and we need to keep looking to Jesus always. And that's what we're going to do here as we wind things down. You can take out your cup and you can pull back the first layer where we have the little wafer. Kids, the reason why we do this as often as we do is because we always want to remember what Jesus has done for us. We always want to remember that he has run the race and he won the race. He was victorious. Did you notice here, church? Oh, passage is gone. Did you notice here, church, that nowhere in this exhortation does it say that we have to win the race? Can we get an amen for that? 
praise God. This isn't a competition. This isn't some works-based thing that I have to be just the winner at. All I need to do is have faith to endure because my king is the victor. Jesus has won, right? He defeated sin and death and overcame everything that we will ever face on the cross, and he won the race for us. And in him, Romans says, we are more than conquerors. We are more than victors in our king because he has already conquered. And that is what we remember as we look to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we take this cracker, and it symbolizes the broken body of Christ, that he took all of our punishment, all of our shame. In fact, he thought little of that shame. He despised that shame, as the passage says. And for the joy set before him, he went there gladly. Why? Because he loves you. And he loves me. And he loves the Father. And that's why he did it. And so we look to Jesus. We remember together as we eat. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you that you are victorious. You are the conquering king. You have gone before and you are waiting for us at the finish line. And Lord, we praise you and worship you that we can have full confidence and assurance that you have done it. That your broken body, you're taking all of our punishment, all of our pain in yourself, Lord, has satisfied all of the punishment that we are due. And we thank you and praise you for that, Lord, as we look to you in remembrance. Of course, Christ didn't just satisfy the punishment that was due. He also poured out his blood for us. He gave his life for us so that not only can our punishment be satisfied, but also our sins can be forgiven. We can be made right with the king. And that's why we celebrate both of these things that the Lord took our punishment and that he has forgiven us, he has cleansed us in his blood, that there is a new covenant in him by which we are made right with our heavenly father. That is what we look to. That is what we remember. That is what we celebrate. That not only are we have to not worry about any consequences eternally, eternally of our sin, but we also can have confidence that we will be able to stand before the throne of God in worship and praise because Christ is the victor. Christ gave his life so that we could live and he rose again to life victorious. So let's carefully peel back the second lid. And let's drink in remembrance. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for the victory that you have given and for the forgiveness that we have through the shedding of your blood. Lord, we praise you that though we may run through a thorn thicket, though we may 
be slowed by the weights of this world, Lord, you have already taken care of all of those things and you will give us the strength and the faith to endure. And we praise you for that, Lord. We thank you that we do not need to run this race ourselves, but that you have given us a team, you have given us a family, brothers and sisters, who will help us to run, who will pick us up when we have fallen, who will help to unstick us when that sin seeks to cling. Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for your victory and that you have shared that victory with us by adopting us into your family, inviting us into your team, that we may run the race for you, serving you and sharing the truth of your gospel with those around us, that they too might run for your glory until you call them home. Lord, we pray for all of the kids here today that they would, Lord, have a strong faith. That the temptations of this world would not draw them down. That they would not fall into the comfort and the weakness that it produces. That they would endure, Lord, in you. Looking to you, Lord Jesus, always as the sustainer, the author, the perfecter of their faith. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, Lord, that you would remind them that though their life may come to an end in the near future, Lord, it is the best thing for them because they will be with you forever. Strengthen them, Lord. Allow them to live fearlessly for you, boldly sharing your truth until you call them home. Lord, strengthen them in your spirit. Lift them up, Lord. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray.